Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just you forgot to enter. And the double clap signifies the start of an episode. And before we begin, hey everybody, this is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast. And listen, if you by chance get any sort of hashtag value from this episode, whether you laugh, you cry, or you're entertained, or you learn something, dude, just share it with a friend. And if you don't have any friends, you shouldn't be. On podcasts? Listening to podcasts. Listening to podcasts. Okay, I got it now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you don't have friends, you should go make some friends. should be listening to podcasts. Anyway, before I introduce my guest on the right, who's in the building producing? Brendan Kilcoin. This is Brendan's first episode producing Solo Dolo. But he's one of my most trusted friends, so I'm pumped. And nonetheless, I actually... How did I initially link with you oh just scott my yeah, guy scott from Barbarty, yeah here closer yeah okay and so scott was like hey did you know that i've been working with a former miss mass and absolute like media badass and i was like i didn't know that <laughs> scott i had just thrown an event and scott gave food to the entire event and so i was like well i'd love to connect with her and so then I looked you up on Google and you had like a million pages on your name. So I was like, <laughs> this girl's active, Hopefully man. good. <laughs> so on my right, I have Kelly O'Grady. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. This yeah, do you want to give a, really just cool. a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Sure, my 30-second elevator pitch. How many times have you given it? Oh, probably so many times. Normally it's, it's longer than that, but I won't bore you guys. So uh, born and raised in Boston. Uh, spent a couple years in LA after graduating from Harvard University. Hold up, when you say Boston, Boston, Boston. Okay, so I live in Boston now, but I was originally from Duxbury. Okay, so I grew <laughs> up in Lincoln. Oh, okay, all right. So yeah, I'm from Boston too, for sure. Well, because whenever you say Duxbury, no one knows anything about it except that that's lacrosse. where the oysters. Okay, fine, lacrosse or oysters. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I went to Harvard University, worked for Disney afterwards when I uh, lived in L.A., uh, worked in M&A for them. So if you hate Star Wars and what they've done to it, I'm sorry because I worked on the deal. Can you, what is M&A? Uh, mergers and acquisitions. So okay. we, I helped Disney when they were buying different companies. And this is post-undergrad, pre- Pre-business school. pre HBS. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so then after a stint with Disney, I decided that I wanted to leave the warm weather of the West Coast, which made no sense. Came back and got my MBA at Harvard Business School. Uh, Let's go. (laughs) I told you my sister graduated from HBS. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe we never... Well, actually, I can believe because there's so many people at this school, but it would have been cool to run into it. 2018? Yeah. Okay. I think she was 19. Yeah. That's probably why. They keep you so segregated. I have no idea why, but... That's what she was saying. Yeah. But she was saying everyone in like your section or your core is like your best friends for life. For two years and then you probably don't talk to them. (laughs) Except for a couple. (laughs) Exactly. Everyone goes very global after Harvard Business School. Like people get jobs in like London or San Francisco or like major business markets for the most part, right? Oh yeah. I have friends. My, one of my best friends actually was here last night and she's living in Berlin right now. And she was just in Boston for the evening. Oh my God. So yeah. Yeah. Everyone's all over the place, which is great. If you know, you want to travel, you always have people's couches to crash on, but it does make staying in touch a little bit harder. Why did you stay here post-school? My family's from here and I love my parents. I'm the only child 
And I, so my fiance actually was also in business school and he was a year behind me. So we were definitely here for another year after Mm -hmm. I graduated. I had gotten a job here for a management consulting firm, which is just basically a fancy way of saying I help CEOs solve whatever problem they have. And, uh, just like financial district. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I actually, I go to where my clients are. So right now I'm working for the company. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. How many things do you do? (laughs) I don't sleep ever. (laughs) Lots of coffee. Are you totally spread thin all the time? (laughs) You know, actually I was like that before in college because I think when I was younger, I just wanted to do everything. And now I've realized, yeah, that you need to prioritize things. And then there's some things that you can do and just do enough to get by. And then there's other things that you can like really focus in on. At least that's what I've learned over time, especially through business school. Have you heard of um, the MFCEO Project? It's a podcast. No, I'll have to it's check it out. This guy named Andy Frisella, and he has this like theory. He calls it the power list. He's like, if you're starting your own business or if your own thing going for you, you can only write down five things and be mm. effective at only five things a day. You think what? That's true? So actually, I just did an episode of my own podcast uh, called Here to Slay. And uh, <laughs> <Plug>. <laughs> yeah, go download it, guys. Um, and it was about uh, balancing everything. And so I actually I'm curious to hear what his five things are, because I actually only think there's four. There's four buckets of your life. So what were his five? No. So his theory is like if you need to develop new habits mm-hmm. to like pr- progress or succeed, you have to write down five like hard things a day that are going to move you forward. Got it. So for instance, I actually do it. I've been, it, it's helped me like profoundly, but for instance, today, um, I have my LLC now. Right. And so it's tax season. So I was like, shoot, I have to file my taxes today for the first time as a business owner. Oh God, that sounds but terrifying. It, it was like the worst thing of all time, but it was on the <laughs> list. So I had to get it done. Okay. So are you, is your list more like say hi to mom? cook cook something yeah so actually okay I was misunderstanding I was thinking of it more as four themes that you can be spending time on so this is actually something that I learned in business school they had you take this class called authentic leadership development and they put it at the end of your time in business school when everyone was going through this crisis of oh my god what am I going to do with my life it was basically like group therapy for business school students we would just sit in groups of six and essentially cry and the, the thought process is that there's, at any point in time, you're going to have four buckets of your life. Yourself, so that could be anything from physical and a, a mental health and things that you want to spend your time on, to relationships, so friendships, a significant other, your family, your siblings, your parents, and then your career. And at any one time, you're not going to be able to give 100% of yourself to each of these buckets or even be giving the same amount of yourself to each of these buckets because there's always going to be something that requires more of yourself. Am I Brenda? Did, would you say it was four buckets <laughs> or three buckets? Four buckets. Wait, so it's relationships, personal. Mm-hmm. Family per- and career. Oh, relationships and family are separate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I actually, I agree with it because I think this concept of balance doesn't make sense because you're never going to be able to If you're to type ba- A, yeah. it's, it's impossible. Yeah. And like right now I'm focusing on my career and my significant other, but maybe in the future I'll have a kid or something and I'll have to put more of myself into that. So, but I'll have to check out this podcast that you mentioned because that's, that sounds kind of interesting. Well, well, I'll send it to you right after, but do you feel like you're prioritizing your balance like correctly right now? Like, do you feel like you're doing a good job at it? I'll be honest, like 
I'm like really actually really bad at it. <laughs> it's like I'm terrible at it. All I do is like work. It's like I I mean I rarely see my friends right now in this like growth phase. That's it's interesting. I think yes and no. I always reevaluate every couple of weeks because the idea behind these buckets is if you know what you're going after and you're trying to achieve, you should match that up as to whether you're actually spending your time the way you want to, you know, do that in order to achieve something. I would say I'm half there. I think that I'm really more interested in pursuing these other things outside of my job, like, and rather trying to make these other things more of a job, but just naturally you, you have to devote yourself when you're getting paid, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) As much as they want you there. I know. So you got to roll with it. So long term would you like to like fully monetize like the media stuff you're doing and then you said you want to shift out to LA right yeah uh well LA or New York but it's probably gonna be LA so LA is sweet it's so wonderful where did you stay when you lived in um when you worked for Disney yeah so Disney was in Burbank so I, I definitely didn't live there I didn't want to live there but I lived over by Runyon Canyon in Hollywood so okay. it was I mean, it was just awesome. Like every weekend you could go to the beach or you could go skiing even. Yeah, it was, everyone was really chilled out and everyone was really into media and entertainment, which is pretty rare. Um, you know, coming from Boston, were movie stars, right? Oh no, it was the trifecta, actor, model, singer. It's everyone insane. could do everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard. Everyone's trying to be an influencer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was, yeah, my, every single one of my Uber drivers had their own production company. It's, it's, it's nuts. Do they have like business cards in the front seat? No. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really cool when we went to LA. Had, had you ever been to MedMen, the weed no. store? No. There's like an, I don't smoke, but there's like an Apple store for weed out there. And of it's course. like all, it's like thematically the same thing. It's like you walk in, there's all these glass cases and these weed in these glass cases and someone greets you, he has an iPad. I was like, this is insane. That's nuts. That's so California. They actually, I, I did experience that when I went to Vegas because it's now legalized there. And we went and we checked it out because of course it's Vegas. So they have to have the biggest dispensary in the world. And it was like that. Marketing. Yeah, exactly. Went in and, and you you took like a number and you waited in line and it was just this nuts experience you really did feel like you were in an apple store was this on the strip no it's off like i don't know it's like a couple blocks away so why were you out in vegas so we were actually out in vegas for the mr olympia competition oh Uh, my god what was that like it so i'd never been to something like this before my fiance is really into bodybuilding and he has had to go to so many pageant functions and miss usa because of me so i was like okay i need to pay you back and we both love vegas in general i think i've been over 20 times in my life which is that what miss usa is too no, it's been it's been there in the past, but this year it was in Reno, Nevada, oh, which was shafted. discount Vegas. <laughs> uh. So it was not as exciting. Um, but yeah, we went to to the Olympia, and I did not realize that these bodybuilders do their posing routines to music. I was I was not expecting this, and so we were we were there, and everyone had these like elaborately choreographed things because this is the olympics of bodybuilding and i was just tons that, of steroids people just deezed yeah up. i mean yeah like i was walking around the expo being like i thought i was in shape and <laughs> <laughs> i look like you could break me in half and, and so what they were just like flexing to music well it was no it was a little more dramatic than that they had they were 
getting down on the ground and it was it was intense and of course I was I had a few drinks in me I didn't know what this was gonna be and I'm fired up I was laughing hysterically and the (laughs) the two kids sitting next to me were like clearly this was something that they were super passionate about and I felt so bad because they were getting so annoyed with me that I I was not being disrespectful yeah I was like oh my god this is amazing and I probably totally ruined their time so so when you I think it was really interesting when I had seen, when I had just done a little brief research, when you had um, left HBS, is that when you decided to go full speed with Miss Mass? So actually, I decided to give it a try halfway through HBS. Oh my God, and your schedule was probably jammed. No, it, it was so much easier during business school to do it. I could nap in the middle of the day during business school. Why is my sister yeah. always complaining about like, <laughs> so much homework? It's. I think it depends on, on what you're trying to get out of it. Since I had come from a business background, I, I didn't have to spend as much time like building the models and everything. Um, so I, I don't know. I actually found business school as like a two-year break, which just you went around you networked you had drinks Mm -hmm. every night with folks it was stressful in its own way but I was not super excited about where things were going afterwards I worked so much to get to that point I kind of just not evaluated whether I was spending my time right like I said before the way I I wanted to in terms of my goals and so my mom suggested why don't you try a pageant I had just seen Miss Congeniality that was the only frame of reference I had I was like I don't want to do that that's not me that's so silly you tried it before no I had never done any of that stuff before and so I decided to do it how old are you when this happens this was 27 this is about like two Good year and a you. half and so I'm competing <laughs> against no wild. no so that was the first time I I didn't win I got fourth on my okay, first time sorry. that's okay and uh, I was competing against 19 year olds. I didn't know how to do my hair, my makeup, like all this like whole world was just really strange. And I frankly went in with a lot of assumptions and, and um, misconceptions about the entire industry. And I really enjoyed it and I didn't win and I'm a very competitive person. So I said, you know, I want to come back. I know that there's a lot of opportunities that come out of this in terms of having a voice, connecting with charities in the Boston area. I was able to start my own thing. Also a lot of on-air opportunities. I had one more year of eligibility and I decided to give it a try one and then has actually just gave up my crown a couple of weeks ago, finishing up my year. You're so. pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to crown the next girl. I was just going to run off with it. No, it was time to be done. It was someone else's turn. So when you decide, okay, I'm just going to try this. Did someone plant the seed in your head? Like, dude, you should just do a pageant or like what actually made you consider doing it? Yeah. So my mom actually was the one who mentioned it because we had a friend who had done a different system and she she had been with me at Harvard and she said, oh, you should give this a try. Like Lauren seemed like she got a lot of opportunities come out of it. And so then... I decided to research it, and I was a figure skater for 15 years when I was oh, younger. Oh, It all makes sense. Now, now. it all comes together. No, figure. <laughs> so have you always just been totally disciplined? Yeah. So I like competition. I like having a goal and something to motivate you. And so this is what I, when I looked into it. I was like, oh, some element of performing. I'm looking at you totally different now that you're a figure <laughs> skater. We had a, this woman. Her name's Sandra Sigmund. She runs the biggest floral company. Okay. In Boston, in North Andover. It's all like boutique flowers. She does big weddings. And she was like, I would not be as successful as I am if I didn't do like the slave labor figure skating until I was 21. She said it just gives you like the craziest discipline and mindset. Like, do you feel like you're carrying a lot of that over now? 
Oh, yeah. It's, I think, actually, after Miss USA ended, it was really weird because all of a sudden I didn't have to wake up at crazy hours to go to the gym. I didn't have something that I was moving towards. Um, and so that all of a sudden I was like, where do I put all of this energy? Um, and I, I put the energy into pizza for a while, which was great, <laughs> <laughs> but then slightly self-destructive. Where so. Pinocchio's in Harvard Square. Uh, no, I just went with bottom of the barrel, Domino's. Hashtag Domino's, please sponsor me. So. Oh, God, Kelly. <laughs> hey, you know what? You just, I didn't. <laughs> you got that, that cheesy crust, too? Uh, the, the, the pan pizza. Well, those sticks are fire. Those yeah, cinnamon those sticks. Are, and the cheesy bread, so good. So oh, good. so you just were totally just threw it all away after the figure skating thing. Well, yeah. Actually, I mean, after the pageant, when you haven't, like, You've denied yourself for so long, it was necessary. But I'm back on the bandwagon, thankfully. Okay, <laughs> and so you're like, okay, I'm like really competitive. I want to compete in something maybe a little less athletic and physical. Is that what's going through your mind? Currently? No, when you oh. switch oh. over to pageantry. So, yes, I think it was more looking at what I was on the path in terms of career-wise, right? So I was going to work in management consulting after business school, and I just always had thought that there was something else that I was meant to do um, and I was struggling to find out what that was but I had always been interested in on-air opportunities but at that point I had kind of honed my resume to do something that was yeah, totally to different HBS. than that right and so this provided a way to like a window into that business without starting from the bottom because I don't know for some reason apparently competing in a pageant qualifies you I'm not sure why well, <laughs> to it, talk on, about different things I mean I suppose you have to get up on stage and not make a fool of yourself it's so, a big wicked personable right yeah I think yeah and it, it definitely um you, you, with all the events I had to go to develop that in me so yeah that's kind of why I got involved in it and there's been so many cool opportunities that have come out of it so I'm pretty grateful so when you when you hit up Miss Mass, if that's like the qualifier, mm -hmm. what do they say? Like, okay, you have to be like this is this waist size. You have to wear like this type of bikini. You have to be qualified with this talent. Like, how does it work? Like, what are the like guidelines? Yeah. So there's actually the talent portion is from a different system. It's the Miss America system. So if I had had to do a talent, it would have just been game over because you can't get an ice <laughs> rank on stage and most people sing and no one wants to hear me do that. Uh, so there were a couple different components of the, the competition. There's the swimsuit competition, there's the evening gown, and then there's interview. I was lucky because now pageantry is moving towards wanting to get girls that are more well-rounded um, in terms of their their resume, their interests, what they look like. Back five, ten years ago, it would it, like who, who's the hottest, right? Yeah, and also like if I, I mean, I'm five four, that would never have flown. You had to be five ten. You had to be a Victoria's supermodel. But there's been a lot of backlash in the industry that it's been. You know, extremely objectifying women it's not empowering towards women and so things have changed like the current Miss USA she has a law degree an MBA she's crushing it um, and so I looked at that and I said okay maybe I actually would have a shot but 10 years ago my resume they would have been like please leave <laughs> so were you like totally conscious of because I know your podcast now is like pretty centered on gender inequalities in, mm -hmm. in the workplace were you aware of some of the the like preconceived notions about the pageant beforehand 
Oh, absolutely. I didn't want to tell anyone at business school that I was doing this because I was really afraid what people were going to say about me, that they weren't going to take me seriously. They weren't going to understand why I was doing it. So and you, same thing at, at work. Sorry to cut you off. No, it's like, all good. You, you would think like someone we hung out with, they're like, yeah, I'm going to go try to win this competition, this huge competition. You'd be pumped. But Harvard's such a rigorous academic environment that it, this is like totally against the grain. So like, good for you, man. You sent yeah, it. Thanks. I appreciate that. But uh, because social media is such a big part of this, I had to finally just jump in and post about it. And so some people were amazingly supportive. And they're like, this is so cool. Like, tell me everything. And then, of course, other people were, as one would expect, not as supportive. But, you know, haters going to hate. And uh, I... Do you still I, remember their names, the of commenters? Of course. They're burned into my brain. <laughs> do, do you <laughs> Look feed, at me now. <laughs> do you feed on negativity? Uh, you know, I think I used to. And now... I, especially throughout this process, there's so much, I mean, I had people from the Philippines messaging me really positive things, but then also super negative things because pageantry for, it is like very, very big in some other countries, whereas here it's like, oh, who cares? But like the girl who won Miss Universe is kind of like Tom Brady in her own country, if you can believe that. And so because of that, I've had to this year just really and truly stop caring what people thought about me in order to be sane throughout this whole process. Is that insanely hard? Yes. <laughs> there were a lot of tears, a lot of sending, you know, stuff on Instagram and whatnot to my friends and family, being like, can you believe what this person is saying about me? And one of my one of my best friends, she's uh runs her own business. She's also an, a style influencer on Instagram. And she told me the story about how someone was sending her really negative stuff from India. And she's like, I just looked at it as, oh my gosh, someone from India is listening to what I'm doing. This is awesome. And so that actually helped me think about things a little bit more that, you know what, if, if people are taking notice and they're taking enough time to disagree with you and trash you in some ways, then I guess you're actually doing something right, that you're giving people something to disagree with. It's easier said than done though, isn't it? It is. Like that shit is really hard when you hear negativity and just like brush it off. Yeah, it is. I mean, a lot of people channel it. You weren't just like, all right, I'm just going to win and I'm just going to like be super productive. I think for the first part of it, I was. But I also have really struggled because it's a fine line, right? Like if you're fueled by it, but then you're not seeing the, those results, then it starts to really eat at you and it, it becomes just negativity again rather than a positive source. So now I'm just focusing on this. This sounds like so guruish and eat, pray, love, but it's actually true. You know, am I, am I happy with what I'm doing? Am I spending time the way that I want to spend time? And can I get up in the morning and look myself in the mirror and say, you know what, like I'm being true to myself and I'm okay with, with where things are. I've even gotten to the point because going through this whole experience, a lot of my friends were really supportive, but still a lot of them don't really understand why I did it that I had to get to that point because people that I cared so much about and that that I really cared about their opinions not just randos on Instagram um, they were supportive but they didn't truly understand it so I had to get to that point in order to still succeed where I was like you know what I'm just doing this for me this is not for anyone else that's tough man <laughs> hey I still well, have my bad days where I eat dominoes yeah. so we're, it's a working Damn, process. Ugly, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Were you receiving most of the backlash when the actual pageant was going on or when you had announced it? So I think when I announced it uh, a year, like a year or so before I won, that first time that I was going for Miss Mass was when I received the backlash from my friends. When I was at Miss USA was when I was receiving the backlash from just people I didn't know on Instagram. And it wasn't, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this. You're you know, educated and why would you compete in a pageant? Like sort of those those notions that people just project onto pageantry. Uh, I was It was more just people being like, oh, you don't deserve to be there. You're not pretty enough. You're not what a pageant girl should be. You're not 5'10". You're not you know 60 mm-hmm. pounds yeah. uh, which isn't honestly what what anyone should should strive to be um but it was it i think in that moment that did provide fuel because i was like all right well you know what i'm here yeah i'm gonna go show you but um it was a, it was a weird experience being at miss usa and and hearing all that stuff because you're in a bubble like mm-hmm. i had no idea what was going on in the world outside of me it felt like a cruise ship i couldn't get off this is in reno yes and it was also in reno at the buffet oh. day in and day out it was it was grim <laughs> so you so miss mass happens mm-hmm. how do you like get a competitive advantage in the competition isn't it just like three people saying like okay like you're miss mass you know, it's it's a good question. There's this saying that pageants are stranger than fiction, and I actually started to get into coaching now because um, I just really enjoyed the whole process. And I think every year they're looking for someone different, right? They're not going to crown a me again um, because the world is changing, right? And I think the same thing happens at Miss USA. The girl who won last year, if you're trying to be the exact same thing, you're not going to stand out because that's already been done. And so I think sometimes in pageantry, you can get a leg up by having the best resume or the best stage presence or the best interview. There are certainly components that go into making someone a successful candidate, but then there's just this random it factor that some judges someday like what, you know, what they connect with one person or they don't connect with another person because it's all super subjective. Yeah, my fiance used to joke. He's like, why don't you ever do something like track? He played, he ran track in college. He's like, if I cross the finish line first, I win. There's no, you know, no discrepancy about that. He's like, you're involved in this thing where it's just so nebulous and so subjective. Exactly. Who are the judges for Miss Mass? So for Miss Mass, uh, just area personalities, um, restaurant owners, kind of folks that were in that PR media and entertainment space, um, there was it's a, a TV small reporter. Community out here. Yeah, it is. It is. So you you kind of tend to see the same folks over and over, which I think can also be a little bit tough, right? Because you see the same judges over and over, and if you've competed in it over and over and over, how are you supposed to make a new first impression if people remember you? Keep people excited. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. Every year you go in and you think you know who's going to win. Um, you have your favorites, and then sometimes people get really nervous, and then sometimes the judges just pick someone who you never expect. So when the process is going on, are you like, okay, I have a shot at winning? Is that what's going through your mind? Or you're just like, all right, I guess it's just up to chance. I, because being very yeah. type A, I'm sure you're like, all right, how can I get the leg up? What can I do? <laughs> that That is true. I, I'm someone that will identify the thing regardless of what I'm doing. Like right now I'm going for on-air broadcasting opportunities and I'm identifying, okay, what can I bring to the table? Like what can I do to make myself the best? So 
with pageantry, it was, I'm going to get myself into the best shape that I possibly can interview wise that I knew that that was probably going to be a strength for me coming in just based on my background. And, um, but I had never put on a, a swimsuit and just pranced across stage like maybe in my mind but that's not what I do at the Vegas nightclubs yeah. <laughs> you know EBC and whatnot <laughs> um, so I I definitely had to put a lot of time into it because there's so many girls that have done this since they were maybe six or seven years old not the swimsuit part but participated in pageants and I so when I went into it the first time I kind of had this this inkling and confidence because in order to get myself to go do this I wasn't going to do it if I didn't think I had a shot right Mm -hmm. but you don't know for sure that you're just you might be totally fooling yourself and have this inflated sense of self-confidence until you go through the process and you're like okay actually people are reacting well to me maybe I do have a shot at this so it wasn't really proven until I did it my first time um, and I saw some success and then the next time it was kind of like, all right, I'm only going to come back and do this if I think I can win. So let's just do everything I can to possibly win. So are the girls like nasty to each other? <laughs> I mean that though. Like I'm sure there were like three like real type A girls like you who were like, all right, I'm going to win this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I come from figure skating, right? It's yeah. a Tanya Harding Cutthroat, thing. <laughs> no, no. Have you guys so- seen that Tanya Harding Netflix? Dude. It's insane. Wait, there's a show on Netflix? Well, no, there's the documentary. Oh, the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know that. I, Tanya, is the movie. Right. right. But have you, there There was, a, maybe it was a 30 for 30. Excuse me. Okay. I haven't seen it. You know, it. like, the whole story, right? Yeah. Yeah. With, like, the baseball the bat on the knee and, like, crazy. It's vicious. Yeah. That was, and weirdly, that's what made figure skating so popular. Because we all love watching this, like, awful scandal stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so was pageantry somewhat similar? <laughs> so here's the thing. I expected it to be, right? I expected to go in because especially with social media now, I think there's more hype around it. As, you know, you can go check out your competition and, and build up these these ideas of their personality and in your mind based on what they post on social media. And so I went into it expecting it to be more like figure skating because figure skating was cutthroat, like some of the stuff that happened. And actually, I was totally blown away. And I know this sounds cheesy, and it probably sounds unbelievable, but people were actually really supportive. And I met one of my best friends and bridesmaids from it. And she's going to be in my wedding. I'm in her wedding. And now, listen, there's always one or two people that you don't get along with. But I wouldn't say that anyone was overtly cutthroat or mean. It's just like in life. You don't get along with everyone. So, When are you getting married? Uh, Labor Day weekend of this year. Oh my god! Yeah, Where? Aruba. And are you like twenty nine now? Thirty. Please, please don't rush me. Sorry, my fault. Twenty eight. <laughs> oh my god. Twenty eight. I'm twenty eight. <laughs> Dude, that's us in like four years. Oh my People god! People already getting married I, and having kids. This is insane. I feel so old. I'm the oldest one in the room right now. This is a tragedy. Are all your friends like getting married and having kids right now? Uh, so I'm in the age now that the second wind, right, of, of marriage. Like, I think there, like a lot of people got married right out of college. Really? And then, well, if they were more religious and they had been together for a while, I out felt like there was, yeah, there was, there was a, like some, you know, sort of a round of weddings that Did happened. Did have a calculator at the wedding? <laughs> no, those were my <laughs> high school dances. Everyone had calculators at the wedding. I went to a very nerdy high school. Did um, you go to Duxbury High? No, I went to BU Academy. Whoa. I yeah. never heard of that. It's, it's like a 
kind of a magnet school that's on BU's campus. On Com Ave. Um, yeah, on Com Ave. And so junior year and senior year, you took your classes at the college. And so you desperately tried to conceal that you were actually a 16 and 17-year-old to college students so that you wouldn't be weird. Oh, so you're going to the dorms drinking on a Friday night. No. Sort of thing. Oh, God, never. No, so my, da- my dad was a cop. That was never going to happen. Oh. He's a Duxbury cop? <laughs> no, he was a state policeman. He's retired now. So He might have yeah. pulled me over a couple times. Well, were you speeding? Are you doing <laughs> Then maybe. <laughs> um, so you you leave the BU school. Have you like always been totally just like killing it in life? <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that I've I've uh, I'm giving off that perception. No, I mean it's it's kind of interesting. I think if you look at my resume, I, I I'm surprised. Like I've I have done a lot of. I guess typically impressive stuff. I know that sounds elitist. I don't mean it to come Society. off that way. Yeah. But it doesn't feel that way. It always feels like once you achieve a goal, like when I got into Harvard, I kept thinking to myself, oh, if I just get into Harvard undergrad, everything's going to be perfect. My, my life will be set. And then you do, and then you get there, and then you realize, okay, so now what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I'm sure what Tom Brady feels, right? Like we all look at him. And we're like, this guy has has six Super Bowl rings. This is insane. He's got the hottest wife ever. He's got like these beautiful family. But I'm sure he doesn't feel like he's, you know, totally ever fulfilled. done. Right. Like there's always something more. For you, is there like an end goal though? Like, okay, I want to like, like if we were on some boss talk in like 20 years and like we're in another interview in 20 years, like if you're like, okay, I achieved that like word. That's uh well, let's get on the books for 20 years from now. Um, I think I I would love to have my own talk show. I think that would be really cool. I love talking to people. I love storytelling. Um, and so kind of like a, a, an Ellen or an Oprah or whatever. I know I'm like shooting for the skies here. Yeah, but this I'm is... for it, man. We'll do it together. Let's do, <laughs> yeah. We'll you co-host. Know what? Exactly. It would be perfect. Um, but I also, I really want to use like my brand to not just do that, but like for something bigger, like to help other women. So, I mean, I, I started this, this organization here to slay when I was doing pageantry. Cause you kind of Hashtag always sponsor. Yeah. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> every time um, you compete in a pageant, you kind of have to have a thing that you're promoting. And so for me, I had had all of these experiences as a woman in the corporate world and in, you know, Harvard business school where you had to be, really like hard and 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 mannish and whatnot to be taken seriously and to be successful you couldn't be feminine you couldn't embrace that side of yourself you couldn't be emotional in meetings even if you were passionate that just meant that you were it was your time of the month or something I can't I can't even tell you how many times I got comments like that Jeez. when I was working yeah it was <laughs> the is this Disney <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Whoa. But um, I mean, it's it's not necessarily a company, right? It's just more the types of personalities that you work with and and what they they sort of see as as what it takes to be successful. And so because of that, I started this this organization here to slay. And I'd love to someday do more, be in a position where I can empower women. Um, you know, through my own story, but also maybe through like a scholarship fund or something to be able to not just like be successful myself, but give back in some way and give other women a platform. Because I think one of the things that I talk about in Here to Slay is is the Queen Bee effect. And I always expected going into 
um, into business school and into the workforce that if you found a really successful woman, she would be so empowering for you because she had to go through all the crap in order to get there. And more often than not, they just look at you and they say, well, I had to go through it. You so you have to do it too. Like I'm going to subject you to everything that I was subject. And that's why, I mean, men often look at us and like, look at, like, look at what you're doing. Like you're tearing you each other down. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I, I just definitely want to make sure that I give back to women who need that opportunity. If I'm ever in a situation where I can provide that. What's the biggest, in your experience, what has been like the biggest detriment in the workplace that you've experienced? Oh, that's a really and, good and question. what does your mom do for work? So my mom was a homemaker and she was the best mom ever. So I'm scared to have kids because I don't think I'll ever live up to her. Uh, but she was, she was in real estate before she had me. And, uh, but to answer your question about that, I think, I think at least in my own experience, the biggest detriment has been creating this culture where you aren't allowed to speak up and so that that could mean a bunch of different things right but what I see is everyone on the surface is saying oh we want to hear your opinions we want to hear your voice if something is frustrating you you know speak up and whatnot and it's kind of all this kumbaya on the surface like oh it's a perfect workplace but then when you do you're you're punished for it or your ideas are shot down or they're not taken seriously or especially as a woman you have to jump through all these hoops in order to be taken seriously. And so I think I've seen a lot of young people fall into that trap where they, they sort of believe this fakeness that accompanies culture on the surface promotes. And then they just get to like, they learn from an early age in their career that the best way is just to go with the mold and not speak up about anything. And then they just become part of the problem. They don't actually bring anything new to the table and help change things. I mean, I think it's a side effect for a lot of employees though, too. Totally. I mean, just like give someone else cutting your check. So you just want to make them happy under all circumstances. Isn't that like most companies? I would say so. I think yeah. you forfeit a little bit of your freedom as an employee. Whereas, you know, if you work for yourself, you know, you're responsible for your, your own mistakes. I, I think you kind of, you have to take on that corporate umbrella where everything's kind of like tracked and you're supposed to stay in your, your own lane. That's how yeah. I see it. Yeah, definitely. So how, how could you change? Like uh, people always say like, okay, there's gender inequality in the workplace. Mind you, my mom built her own business. Oh, and kudos to a, her. Oh, she's a boss, man. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I grew, she was a, I grew up with just her and my sisters and she bossed up I like total respect for women who build their own business but she sometimes says it's somewhat of a competitive advantage being a woman in a male dominated industry because sure. some people instead of a basket of like 15 dudes who could do your finances there's this one caring woman who could do mm -hmm. it have you felt that you know it, it is it's true I felt both sides of the coin because I I've definitely felt the the negatives of it right where you're held to a different standard um, you know, you're not able to be part of the boys club, but there are definitely opportunities that I've gotten because I'm a woman that another, you know, white dude who is sitting next to me 
that was doing just as good a job as me, which I, I actually hate. I remember talking to my dad on the phone because I had recently had a conversation with my manager and he was saying to me, you know, you have a really good shot to move up here at this company because we're looking for women to fill these, these managerial roles. And I got on the phone with my dad. I was like, this is so frustrating. I don't want to get something just because I'm a woman. I mm-hmm. want to get something because I'm good at it. And he's like, shut up, Kelly. Just take yeah. the, <laughs> take I mean, the job. <laughs> that's inevitable though, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, and actually we ended up having a conversation. Kind of what you're getting at is, well, how do you change this, right? You change this perception, I think, and it's not just about women, right? It's about different races, different, you know, there's all sorts of groups that are struggling with this. Um, But at least from my perspective, it's getting people, getting women into more positions where they can help younger women or their colleagues can see that, oh, you know, yes, like a woman can do this job and is really successful at it. And that we get to the point where it's not, oh, she's a woman and she can do this. It's, oh, this person is just really successful. And so my dad was saying to me, he said, you keep talking about how you want that to happen. This is how that happens. You need to have people create opportunities for you. You got to put numbers on the board, man. Yeah. You need results. Yeah. So I I don't know. I, I struggle. I think one of the biggest things, though, that needs to happen that I see with all of these movements that frustrate me so much is actually, instead of being so alienating to men to actually bring them to the converse into the conversation because like the me too movement and the time's up movement i think have done so much for for women especially victims of of abuse but i do find them to be really polarizing and i I had a conversation with with one of my mentors he's like i'm i'm terrified to mentor young women at work lest I do, lest I close the door or something that I, I do is taken out of context. I'm, I'm just terrified to even have a conversation with a young woman. And so while this is drawing awareness, it's, it's making people who you need to have, have mentor you to create opportunities to be your champions, you know, not want to engage in this at all. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Exclamation point on yeah. that statement. Bam. <laughs> well, do you ever sometimes think that like people just talk a lot? Mm-hmm. So like I understand like let's say you ascend to a position. I think you will. Like you're a boss. No, well, knock on wood. <laughs> well, let's say like you're a CEO one day, right? Yeah. How much actual impact will that have on dudes creating more opportunities for chicks? I know. It's something I struggle with. I because think Because this is ingrained in our brain like yeah. okay, well dudes are more competitive and physically superior and mm-hmm. more aggressive in the workplace mm-hmm. we're going to be the ones to take charge will that right. will there ever be a flip-flop you know i don't i don't necessarily think there needs to be a flip-flop because i i actually i hate the rule in um i think it was california the law where it's like we have to have a woman on a board now it's mandated if it's a publicly held company but if they can't I, do the job then like right i agree it's i i don't like that i mean i i understand that there's diversity of thought and it's important to have different opinions but not we shouldn't be putting someone there simply because they have a vagina like mm-hmm. they, they have to be able to do the job um and i Just i don't yeah <laughs> it's all about if you get the job done. that's what everything is about exactly and i i think it you know me being in a position someday like no it's it's not going to flip-flop the scales like it's going to change probably a couple perspectives right but like that's where it starts 
unfortunately. You know, you start to get a couple people that I've interacted, actually with, with the Here to Slay thing, probably the coolest thing that, that came out of it was I, I started getting Instagram messages from, from randos that I didn't know, positive ones this time. That was great, yeah. <laughs> and this <Stupid> one, <laughs> this one girl said to me, hey, I, I played your videos for my husband and he you know, came home from work today and had had a really tough conversation with one of his female employees. I was like, you know, those videos that that girl that you showed me, like really made me start thinking about how to interact with women differently in the workplace. I was like, that's really cool. It's one person, but you know what? If I, if I just throw up my hands and going back to that point about the corporate culture, right? You just sort of put your head down and, and you say, okay, you're paying me. I'm just going to acquiesce and do what you want then nothing's ever going to change. So hopefully I can start to change minds and other women who are like way more impressive and awesome than myself have already started doing that. And it can just, you know, snowball from there. How do you train women to be attuned to like male aggression in the workplace? Because dudes are just naturally just generalizing here, but more competitive. Oh yeah. So like, I mean, I'm totally for like, equal opportunity but like dudes are going to be competitive no matter what I know I it's funny I I struggle with this is I tend to be really competitive so I tend to be one of those like women that like is like probably way too much I thankfully my my uh fiance and I like don't work in the same industry and we actually chose not to go to the same company because I we probably would have broken up because I would have been a psycho but (laughs) (laughs) thankfully we're all we're happy now um, yeah, Labor Day in Aruba. <laughs> Let's go. But, um, you know, I think that when I have, have tried to illuminate that type of thing with women, it's it's hard because I think when you you have conversations with, with women, it can be, you need to tread carefully because, I mean, what, what do I know, right, versus someone else? Like, it's it's also important to highlight that, like through questioning almost and ask people, okay, well, why do you feel like you didn't get the promotion? Or why do you, why do you think it is that you're, you're not getting paid as much as, as someone else? Cause at the end of the day, like sometimes it is because someone else is better. Right. But sometimes it's because they decided to go in and ask for the promotion or ask for the raise, or they, you know, go golfing with the boss. Like I've been in situations where I've seen that happen, where someone got invited to the meeting or got promoted and whatnot but they were out the night before having drinks with the boss or played tennis with the boss on the weekends and so it's I think it's the first step is identifying when that feeling of well I should be getting this too as a woman is justified right because sometimes I you know there are people that are going to be better than me at that job and I have to ask myself am I frustrated for the right reasons you know do or do I have a leg to stand on here or am I just, you know, not seeing the writing that's on the wall? And then that means I have to go back and I have to try harder and I have to do better or find some other industry or, or what have you, what other, other job that maybe I'm better suited for. So it's tough though. I mean, that, that's hard to be honest with yourself and, and also help someone else recognize that sometimes too. B, any questions? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I find it, I, I love your message because like you are saying, like, like something like me too has had some great effects, but then when it moves towards kind of like, you know, the believe all, all, all women, yeah, right. toxic masculinity, you're, you're kind of, you're polarizing people, but it seems like you want to, you want to make it like an equal playing field, like a 
meritocratic type thing. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine like my fiance, I sort of watched him go through all of this. He's like, well, I'm a white dude. So I'm literally the worst person on the face of the earth right now. Oh, I'm the worst. (laughs) I am six, three white. Yeah. Come from successful parents, white school. Yeah, and it's hate me, man. <laughs> it's <Handsome>. tough. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to boot as well, yeah. And it's it's tough. And so I think I've really become attuned and having conversations with him about it that you know, like me standing here on my little island being like women are amazing and like we should rule everything. Yeah, maybe other women will be like, that's great, but y'all aren't going to think, yeah. yeah, sign me up for that, right? So I think it's, it's yeah, it's trying to find common ground. Because like I said, I don't want to get the job if I'm not the one that should be getting the job. Where do you get some of that tenacity from, your, your pops? My mom and dad. My mom's really, really spitfiery, but my, my dad's always the person... Well, here's the thing. I get the, the tenacity from my mom, and I think I get the balance from my dad because <laughs> my mom would rile me up, and then I would go talk to my dad about whatever it was that I was going through, sometimes pageantry, which he had a little bit less um, less familiarity with than some of the other things, and he would calm me down and walk me through it and say, okay, like, where is this, this anger coming from? Where is, you know, how can we actually turn this into something, something good? So my mom would give me the confidence and I think my dad would help me find the tools to actually do something about it. What was their reaction when you're like, all right, I'm going to go do a pageant (laughs) because you're like type A your whole life. And then like, all right, I'm just going to send it and do this random thing. My dad, so my mom was the one that was, was for it. Right. So she was like, Oh, cool. It was also something for us to do together. A dad is like, I don't want my daughter standing on stage in a bikini. Like, right. Well, he also, he had to go to these things and there's not only a a miss like an eight or 19 plus division, there's a teen version. Mm. So he would go to these things and he's like, I feel so awkward that I'm sitting in the audience while some other father's 15-year-old is on stage. They, they do athletic wear now, not swimsuit. But he's like, I just feel so weird right now. This is very strange. Please call me when you're up on Doesn't stage. Doesn't go even younger than that, too? There's, that yeah, thing? not the system that I was in, but like toddlers the toddlers and tiaras, and tiaras yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. That's the only preconceived notion I had about pageantry so I thought like all the moms were helicopter moms is that like kind of what's going on I mean for for the teens and the the younger divisions yeah we didn't really experience that as like yeah yeah, exactly um but my dad when I told him I was like dad I'm gonna compete in a pageant and I've I really quickly had to justify why I was doing it but really over time he just like figure skating just like anything he has been, I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky with my parents. He's so supportive. And then he got really into it and he was, he you know, pumped. yeah, he was, he <laughs> wanted it so bad for me. There's this video when I won, one of my best friends was there and she, instead of recording what was happening on stage, she recorded my family jumping up and down and screaming. And he was the one that was, was the most excited and the most happy. Um, Cause he's just always been the biggest cheerleader. He wanted a boy. But he got me. Yeah. (laughs) So I took him from the, the like Boston Irish cop to the Grey's Anatomy watching romantic comedy, loving like softy that he is now. (laughs) Whoa. I know. Big transformation story. (laughs) So you catch the Miss Mass W like you're pumped. Very pumped. Yeah. Check those Instagram DMs. You're like, 
<laughs> What's up, dog? How are you, dog? Oh well, fun fun fact: the the you former miss. <laughs> well, I tried to. Um, I, I I didn't respond to, you to a picture everyone. Of, a picture of the banner or sachet. Hashtag one. Uh, no, what was interesting is I started to manage the social media account, like the official Miss Massachusetts social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, and I will have to say my former. Uh, Miss Massachusetts title holders should have been a little bit better with clearing their direct messages because there were some interesting uh, back and forth with some Boston celebrities. I was like, wow. damn. I was like, I was People felt like I was yeah it. sliding into these DMs. I Whoa. felt like I was reading like you know something was on TMZ. It's like, oh, this is exciting, and here I am, you know, just <laughs> doing my Excel at work. Wow. So um, you win. Mm-hmm. You're pumped. And then they say, okay, now you qualify for Miss America? Uh, Miss USA. Miss USA. And yeah. What's the distinction between the two? So they're just two different pageant systems. One, it, one you have to have a talent, and then one, you, you don't have to have talent. <laughs> which, one is, which one did Trump used to own? USA. Yeah. So he... That's one you competed in. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He gave it up, I think, right before he announced his, his bid for election the, the first time. And so then how long is the loop period between winning Miss Mass and then going to... USA. Yeah, so it depends on your state. Some girls, uh, so Miss USA was in May 2019 for me, and some girls had won like August 2018. I won November 2019, so it was a decent amount of time, like six months. But they actually don't tell you where it is or when it is until roughly six weeks before, uh, right. because the it's all determined by when Fox, who has the rights to the the final competition has a slot in their their schedule and so i mean <laughs> pageantry is not like football it's not like the super bowl they don't have this planned out for months and so they were trying to figure out where to slot it in and then based on that then there was negotiations with different uh, states and whatnot because i mean as much as vegas is amazing and i would have loved to go vegas doesn't really need the tourism and so different like new york right we would never have it there because you as an organization want to get as much from the state as you possibly can in terms of um monetary incentives things like that and so reno was a place that they're trying to (laughs) and they did this whole hashtag reno napa valley oh my god no you're the holiday in reno (laughs) (laughs) the 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 resort that we were staying at was actually quite nice but they kept saying hashtag reno tahoe and part of the agreement with the state was or rather the city was that they had to have a certain number of social media impressions and so every day you had to talk about how much you loved Reno Tahoe and my friends because Tahoe's like I don't know like an hour or two hours outside Reno and my friends were were messaging me being like why do you love Reno so much and by the way it's also not Reno Tahoe I'm like I know this is just you know yeah exactly social media is never real right so but yeah it was it was about six months in between from when I won and so do you get paid at all for this or this is just like a passion I know different states are different so pageantry is not very big in Massachusetts it's very big in the south it's very big um, in states where colleges have lots of sororities because it kind of draws the same type of of person um, at least stereotypically and I think like Miss Texas gets a car for the entire year yeah and and quits her well I shouldn't say quits her job but has a this actually is her job 
Whereas for, I think on the majority of the state title holders, this is something that you do in addition. So there were so many times I was coming back from my client in Springfield, Mass. I'm in the back of the car putting fake eyelashes on because I'm going to a Grinding. best buddies, yeah. you know, uh, fundraiser or something, which was awesome. I loved being able to do all this stuff. But my manager would look back and be like, what is happening in the back of my car? It. This like transformation is going on. So. And so... If you win the Miss USA, you must catch a check or something though, right? So if you win Miss USA, then it actually becomes a full-time job. So you move to New York and there's it's still in Trump Tower. So even though he doesn't uh, run the pageant, I think they own the apartment. And for a year, you get a salary at that point. And you do everything from being uh, an ambassador for the different charities that they support. They work with Smile Train a lot uh, for for children that are born with cleft palates all over the world. And tons of appearances. Yeah, tons media. of appearances, like fun stuff, you know, like New York Fashion Week and whatnot. But you can also promote your own cause, which is what they they like to see. And you just get a fat platform from it. Exactly. Lots of of a uh, big social media platform, and then you also go compete at Miss Universe. So, Whoa, and so yeah. the Miss Universe is countries all over the world? Mm-hmm, exactly. And where does that take place? Like New Mexico, it somewhere did. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so one year it, it took place in the Philippines. It's taken place um, all over the world this, this past year. I felt so bad for my Miss USA sister. Actually, not, not, not for her because it was actually good because her family could come. She was from North Carolina. But I felt bad for all of the other contestants who were coming to America sometimes for the first time. And it was in Atlanta, Georgia. It's kind of like, okay. (laughs) Not terrible, but... What do you do, you know, in Atlanta, Georgia? Um, You know, go visit the Coke factory, stuff like that. Is that where Coke is? Atlanta? Coke. CNN Tower. Yeah. That's where Turner Broadcasting is, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you went to... um, Miss USA, were you you prepared to like, okay, if I win this, I'm going to like tuck away a total year of my life? And Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the dream because what I wanted to get out of this was a a platform, the ability to use my voice in a a much larger way. And also a lot of on-air hosting opportunities and and things like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a lot more, um, I think, it, it would have opened more doors being Miss USA. I mean, so many doors open as being Miss Massachusetts, but it's just a bigger platform. And so, yeah, if you, if I had won and, or the girl that did win then that we night, this podcast though, man. I would, I would have come. I still would have been from the Boston area. It would have been eating my hard body in New York. Hard body is bomb. <laughs> Wait, so do you get meals from hard body consistently? Uh, so I was when I was on this really, really awful project and I just didn't have time to meal prep at all. And so now I'll do it sometimes. But my fiance, literally, that's what he's living on right now. Scott, hook it up, dude. <laughs> those those protein pancakes. What does he call them? Pump pancakes? Pump, pump cakes or something? Yeah. They're really good. <laughs> dude. So good. The I'm, kale salad is really good. Oh, um, did you have the kale salad here at the event? No, I didn't. Oh, God, dude. Is that what you're on right now? No. No. <laughs> Hard, what, the service, he's like, yo, I don't care. I'm going to charge you because the product's really good. Yeah. I'm trying to ease in there with Scott. Like, dude, just sponsor the podcast a little bit, man. <laughs> like, how sweet would it be if me and you were eating our body right now? Yeah, awesome. right? We'd just be like, guys, look at our macros for today. Kale. We're totally on point. <laughs> so you, um, so you, were you disappointed when you didn't win? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, um. But then you come back and you're sitting on this like HBS degree. You're already gotten cool stuff done. You'll come back, Miss Mass. Like, you must be pumped. 
It's true. It it took me though a long time to get there because I was so into it. I was so just like I'm sure you know. I'm about to compare myself to Tom Brady. This is really bad, really elitist. But like Tom Brady has an amazing life. Do you think he's upset that he didn't make the Super Bowl this year? I'm sure he's pissed. I'm sure Giselle's dealing with a lot. So poor girl. But uh, (laughs) no, I mean I think that there was an event that I was actually going to the day after we got back. And my fiance came with me. It was like a, a Kentucky Derby watch party thing. It was a fundraiser. And I was sitting in our bathroom floor. This was, I mean, most most unattractive, like uh, both physically and just personality-wise at that moment in my life because all I was thinking about was I didn't get this thing that I wanted and I worked so hard for it. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to go to the event. And he's like, are you kidding me? You know who would go to that event, Kelly? Your first runner-up at Miss Massachusetts. Every other single girl that competed in that event and wanted to just even for a second have the opportunities that you did that year we rewind what event uh th- this this kentucky derby thing it was just something okay. that I, I had committed to go to coming back As from miss usa yeah okay and oh, so you don't want to show up and be like yeah miss mass but i'm also a loser in this competition i get it right and my my fiance really helped me think about that like turned my perspective because you're right i had so many opportunities but I think for me, it took me a while to find something new. Cause that, that was probably the biggest thing. It wasn't necessarily that I you know, didn't win and I wasn't in New York living this crazy life. It was, What's well, next? now what do I do? That's the yeah. scary shit for me all the time. Yeah. Because I keep the motor going and it's like, I'll have like a big event or a big project. Mm-hmm. And like when it's done, it's like, all right, I always get it done, whatever's on my mind, right? Yeah. But then when it's done, it's like, what the fuck's next? Like, right. And you have to like actually start to deal with some of the thoughts that are in your brain. You're like, oh man. We got channel the mania. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just gets turned inwards. So um, yeah, it, it took probably... I would say five months to really start to think about, okay, so what's next? You know, where, where do I actually want to be spending my time and to get over it? And, uh, I was able to end my year on a really good note. I was the Nesson deal. Did you hook that up? Again? Yeah, I was, I, yeah, I reached out and, um, I do some on-air reporting for dirty water media and Nesson. Um, nice. and that was been really, really cool. It's been really fun. I started the podcast and so I started to find things that I was really excited about. It just took a little bit of time to, to get there, to be perfectly honest. And were you freaking out in the loop period? Like at the end of like the four or five months, you're probably freaking out, right? <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I just can't yeah. be still. It's yeah. like, ugh. That's, that's the thing. And I, it's something that I've always done my entire life. And a lot of the times the things that I decided to go after, I went after just because it was something to go after rather than actually thinking critically about, is this something that I want at the end of it? And so now Again, this sounds very eat, pray, love, and cheesy, but Young I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, spinning wisdom here, um, really making sure that whatever it is that I decide to go 100% after, that I'm enjoying the journey. Because I think now I'm realizing that, yeah, it's great when you, you achieve something and it sucks when you don't, but that moment is just one moment. Do you and, like the process? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I, I would honestly, I would go back to competing in a pageant and like never actually compete in a pageant. I would go back to figure skating and never compete in a competition, but just always knowing that it was coming. I love having something that gets me up every single day, having something to 
fully dedicate myself to and have something that's just entirely for myself outside of, you know, the responsibilities of my job and whatnot. And so that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to that point where like this stuff, I love doing this. I love working on my podcast. Like I will stay up until 3 a.m. editing my podcast. You're a little because- Logic Pro. What do you mean? What software are you using? <laughs> no, I, okay. I've only done like this. This is like my sixth episode. So I'm using like the free software Audacity. I don't even like no, know Audacity's how to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been easy to teach myself to do it. But you're doing video too, right? Yeah, but like I'll just do you know iMovie or sometimes like little Final iPhone with a ring light. Yeah. Do you need an editor? I mean, I if if you know anyone, I mean, let me know. <laughs> uh, we have great Golden Deer editors. All <laughs> Sammy Spielberg and Sarah. I'll connect you after. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to do more video, but um, yeah. To get back to your point, it's it's actually finding the job right that then it does it. You don't have to have a goal outside of it because you finally like married the two things that what you're spending all your time on and making money off of is something that you're excited about. So it's the dream. Okay. Where does impatience lie with this with you? Cause that's like my biggest issue right now is I'm just wildly impatient. And what I've realized has helped me a lot is evaluating my success over like a six month period. When mm-hmm. I look back six months, I'm like, damn, I'm fucking getting it done out here, dog. But the day-to-day sometimes I get caught the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I do. I That's actually a really interesting question. I haven't thought about it that way before. I would say that I'm impatient, but only when I, I don't know what the path is. So I really struggle. Like I will work at something as long as I possibly can. And even if I'm not seeing success, like I will just be like, okay, I know that this is – as long as I feel – confident that that is the way to success then I'm totally fine with that I get more impatient when I'm like I don't I I know that I want to do something but I don't know the steps to get Mm -hmm. there like that's what I really struggle with random question but do all these dudes in your office know that you're like a total like gender equality warrior and are they like nervous to talk to you because of it so I really actually downplay it in the workplace. Oh, they don't know. So that, no, I mean, they, they can go on my social media, like they see it. Um, but I actually think that it's, it's been so much more effective to be more like questioning in situations rather than coming in and being like, Combative, yeah. I'm, you know, like whatever female warrior princess fuck yeah you up. like i'm here to slay um because i i mean that is Plug. like <laughs> <hashtag> um <laughs> like that is in theory what i you know i'm promoting but it, that's like the flashy part of it to get people engaged on instagram and like really the message is you know being like that all the time is is polarizing so yeah no i mean people know that i'm I don't take shit and that I'm going to call them out on stuff, but in a more like, let's have a discussion way. Like, Oh, interesting. Well, like, why do you think that? Um, and I've, I've ended up having a lot of cool discussions with people that I think if I had just come out and been like, I can't believe you said that. That's horrible. They never would have spoken to me again. Right. Mm-hmm. Or really trusted me with anything. So. Be any questions, money? Hey, you having fun? I, oh me yeah. oh, i thought you were talking uh, to you i was like are you? no i love it i mean cool. this is fun oh i just wanted to go back to disney so yeah when did you work there was it a couple years ago yeah so it was when i did my internship summer of 2012 and then i was there 13 to 16 
Okay, so and you, so you're part of the acquisition team for Star Wars. Yeah. What, what did you get to do for that? So I, okay, I, I should be, I should be upfront. I was part, I was there on the internship, and my made of. Room, I was in the room, but it was like the person that had no business being in the room. You're I got up to do coffee for like the exact. No, I was in Excel, being like, hmm, I wonder how this works. Like, <laughs> how cool this is. Uh, so I, I, but I mean, I was, I was a part of it. But I did some work for it. But my maid of honor, okay, she's a total badass. She actually ran the model for the entire thing. She got invited to Lucas Ranch, Whoa. got to like no you know way. drink whiskey with uh, with the big man. Is it but, Bob, Bob Iger? Is it the CEO? Right? Yeah, he's the CEO. Yeah. He because I know when he came on, they they kind of went on a tear. They bought Pixar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was actually the group that I worked for. Um, so it's run by Kevin Mayer. And now that the company is a little bit different, it's it's organized. Uh, they totally reorganized over the past couple of years. And knock on wood, I believe in him all the way. He now, Kevin Mayer, may be the next CEO. So he runs everything to do with Disney+, Plus, with International. And so when I was there, I got to work on the, the BAM Tech acquisition, which was the, I mean, it's like not that exciting, like in theory, but it's the actual technology that powers uh, HBO now it's powering Disney plus it's like the platform that everything is right, for all the the streaming. streaming. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and then I actually worked on Disney plus and ESPN plus in its infancy, uh, wow. before I left. Wow. So cool. it was kind of cool to see it come to fruition. Cause we, I never expected Bob to go for it cause it was this whole big thing of like, this is going to blow up the cable ecosystem and ESPN that Disney owns is such an important cash cow for their portfolio that, it was like, oh, if we do this, this is really going to wreck our the number of subscribers that we're getting if we take things direct. But I was in LA did. when they had launched Disney Plus. Oh, cool! And I had the um, I had like a head. I, I don't want to mess up his title. I think he was like a senior director at Stars, like the streaming mm, service cool. on the show. Yeah. And he was freaking out about Disney Plus. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Well, because he was like, dude, you don't get how powerful Disney is. Yeah. Man. <laughs> they could do anything they want. Yeah. I think it is. It, it When I was there, I believed in the project. And the fact that they are. Is that so many companies allowed Netflix to build a brand off of their content and licensed it because it, they were just getting so much money for, for content. It was a new revenue stream that right. people didn't ever think about. And then. You know, people like us, right? We don't have, I mean, I don't have cable and you would go on it and you would watch Scandal or you would watch Star Wars. Like people don't even know that Disney owns Marvel. It, it's, it blows my the mind. second person said it to me this week. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. And, but like, you know, they, they allowed Netflix to, to build a brand off of the content. And so the fact that they're doing this, they're taking their, their content direct to the consumer and they're the only they're the only company that can monetize it in such a way. They have the parks, you know, they have, they the have TV channels, the, the space, merchandise. The oh brand. my God. It's, it's nuts. I, I love Disney. So do you think like in the next five years, we're going to have to buy all these separate platforms and it's going to oh. be more money? Or? So you should listen to one of the episodes of my podcast, hashtag okay. here to slay, here to slay. <laughs> sponsored. Um, <laughs> Cause what, what I do on that is some of it's about female empowerment, but another big part of it is uh, the business side of the media entertainment industry. Cause in a perfect world, like where I would insert myself if I go out to LA is actually do reporting on the business side of media entertainment because it kind of fits with my background and everything. 
Um, and so this was one of the, the topics that I, I discussed on it, that we've reached this world where consumers don't want cable because it's too expensive. They think it's I not can, convenient. right? Like it's not, it's not a, um, a good customer viewing experience. And so, well, why would I do that when I can get Netflix for $10, you know, Hulu, Disney plus, et cetera, for a couple of dollars, I can get Apple now has a streaming service. HBO Max is coming out in a couple of months. Um, what is HBO Max? So the, it is now they are starting their own streaming service agnostic of HBO now. I think they're, it's it's Warner Brothers that owns HBO and they're going to use the HBO brand to have a Warner Brothers streaming service because that's where Friends is going. If you notice that uh, Friends is not on Netflix anymore, I think as of January 1st this year, it's going to be on um, HBO Max. I'm going to sound like a dinosaur, but where does HBO Go compared to HBO Now? Are they different services? Yeah, so HBO Go, actually, I'm maybe maybe you'll know this. I'm blanking on which one is which, but one is that you can just buy it agnostic of having cable. Yeah, I think that's HBO Now. HBO and Now. Go comes yeah. with your cable provider. Yeah. Go is what we would watch Game of Thrones on a PC, right? Yeah, but there's somewhere, but I think Now, now is live. Like You can watch the show live okay, like cool. you would on okay. cable. Yeah. yeah, like one, I could just you know, not have anything and purchase HBO direct. Whereas another one, I actually have to have a, a cable subscription, but, um, no, what you, what you were saying is, is so interesting. Now as a consumer, I have all of these different services and it's actually really expensive when you add it all up or back to, if you're a huge media consumer, like I am, and you need to have all of these streaming services so that you get to watch all these cool shows because they're not Amazon all Prime on too. Amazon prime, Hulu, everything you get to this point where you're going to want to see it rebundled. You're going to want to have something that like an Apple, something if centralized. Apple really crushed it. Like I really think Apple is going to be the biggest competitor in the space because they have the platform. It's going to be vertically integrated. They have the content. Like you can the go brand. the brand. Exactly. Brand loyalty. Like you there's, it's so hard to find if a friend says to you, oh, you know, you should you should watch uh, this really cool show on, on uh, or this new show that I'm watching, Big Little Lies. And if you don't know where Big Little Lies is, you're going to be like, okay, well, now I have to search through all of my different streaming services. But Apple, you can just put the little thing up to your, you know, your mouth mm -hmm. and say, Siri, help me out. And boom. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. I didn't even think about that. But there is a, a strange oversaturation with these widgets and these apps. Like, I've never even used a Roku or a Hulu or Amazon Prime or YouTube Red. There probably will be a conglomerate at some point, mm -hmm. right? That's like, all right, I'm going to buy you, buy you, buy you, buy you, put you in one place, and now let's make a gajillion bucks. Mm -hmm. I So my prediction, my bold prediction for this next decade is that the two big ones that are going to come out of this is going to be Disney because they're going to have, they bought Fox, right? And so they're going to have a lot of content. They're taking all their content off of Netflix, putting it onto Disney+. Plus. They're able to monetize it across their parks and their merch business. And then I think you're going to see an Apple buy something like a Netflix. And you're going to have like a, dun, you know, a dun, library dun. of content. You're going to have something that's vertically integrated, a, a consumer experience i mean they own the devices that we watch this stuff on and those two going at it with all of the cash that apple has it's gonna like, be sweet that's gonna do, be cool do you think amazon's <laughs> gonna get pushed to the side a little bit 
Yeah, you know, that was something that we talked about. Like Amazon, um, I struggle with what they're doing as a company. I think they're, when you go back to like the strategy and what Amazon is supposed to be and where they make their money, like I think like some crazy number, like 95% of their money is, is made from Amazon Web Services. And they're doing all sorts of stuff like, like electric, you know, flying cars, drones, things like that. And they're also in this this space, uh, this content creation and the streaming space. They have and an influencer program now too. I know. I was I keep getting the, those ads on Instagram. And I really question um, whether this really fits within their brand and whether it will get enough attention from the company. Whereas Apple, I do see how this fits. And I think that they would throw a lot of money at it, a lot of brain power. Right. So, it's not know. their space, but it's it's Bezos money. So it's like if you sure. just like grocery store wasn't his space, let me go buy yeah. Whole Foods. He bought a house for $165 million today. Most ever in LA history. That's like, fire. That seems awesome. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> like, there was a Tell joke. Tell the podcast you're in the back. That'd be huge. <laughs> There's a joke at the Oscars the other day, like still one of the richest man alive, even after divorce. <laughs> Dead ass. Um, yeah. Nonetheless, before my fingers freeze off, <laughs> I just want to wrap the episode. Um, did you have fun? I did. This was so much fun. Thank you both so much. Hi, I'm Kelly O'Grady, your former Miss Massachusetts USA and here to slay founder. And that was my golden hour.